welcome to Bethel. He is the only one who can. Isn't that just good news this morning? Yes, you guys can be seated. It is so good to see you guys this morning. So my kids informed me this morning that there's 42 days left till school. Summer break, right? Is anybody counting down the days? Only if you have kids in school, right? Or if you're in education. Other than that, you're like, nothing changes. It just gets hot. Um, but so we're looking forward, we're like turning that curve and we're home stretch for summer kids. We're almost there. And we have like the tests and all the last minute papers. When I was in school, my least favorite class was PE. I mean, give me a good math test every day. But man, please don't, please don't, play, please don't make me do the whole little standardized testing in PE. Please no. And, um, and my worst nightmare was when the teacher would be like, okay, I need two leaders. And I knew, because oh, I knew they were going to pick the teams, right? They were going to do the pick you, I pick you, and I knew I would be last. I'm like, here we go. Here's humiliation coming right at me. And my only hope was that there was like an odd number of kids, and the teacher would be like, oh, why don't you just keep score? <laughs> that was my only hope. And so, anyway, so this morning, um, if you're visiting with us, if you're online, in person, I pick you, okay? No, no losers here today, I pick you. We would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is by going to mybethel.cc slash connect. And there's a place there to put your name and information so we can connect with you this week and see how we can better serve you. And if you're in the building today, the seat back in front of you has additional information on how to get us your information. So we're, we're just so glad that you're here with us today. Um, today we're going to be continuing in our alignment series. We're still in Philippians, and we're going to be looking at enemies of the cross. And we might be surprised to see that that team that didn't pick us, those really aren't who our enemies are. So let's get started and look and see who it is. Good morning, Bethel. How you guys doing? Good to see you this morning. Um, we are going to get started in chapter 3. If you want to get your Bibles, you can get out there. Before we do that, I want to introduce somebody to you. Uh, Bryce, why don't you come up on stage? This is Bryce. Uh, round of applause for Bryce. Um, so before service, I said, hey, I'm going to bring you up on stage. And she's like, what? And I was like, well, I'm telling you. That way you're not surprised when I actually do it, okay? But uh, Bryce is going to be our new worship pastor, director, leader, whatever you want to call it. She's going to be leading our team um, here. And she started about a month ago. This is her second Sunday to be here. And I'm really happy to have her. So why don't you tell us about yourself and um, what God's doing? Okay. Yeah, so I graduated from ACMUCO last uh, May. And I was called to worship ministry about six years ago, and the Lord just really laid it on my heart that um, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. This is my calling, and he's just opened all the doors for me, and Bethel has been one of them, and I'm just really excited to be here. I can't wait to meet all of you guys. I know I haven't met everybody yet, so please come talk to me <laughs> so awesome. that I don't have to find you. But yeah, I'm just excited to be here. We quiz her every Monday about who she knows and who she met, and so... We show her pictures and like, what's this person's name? She gets it wrong, she gets a punishment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, this is, so if you see Bryce and if you're interested in music and maybe music is your thing, maybe you want to get involved in music ministry, please see Bryce. She'd love to plug you in. Um, she has an easygoing process to get you into the, the band and worship team. So thanks, Bryce. Appreciate it. Yes. Enemies of the cross. 
We often think of enemies as people who hold a different view uh, of our own. Many times we think about uh, political viewpoints or maybe a philosophical, uh, philosophical stand, standard, and we say, well, this person thinks differently than I am, and we end up treating them in practical ways like enemies. It seems to happen most often around religion. Uh, you can walk around town, you can drive around town, and there's a church on every corner, and if, we don't, if we're not careful, we'll think, okay, so why is this church here, and the one right across the street is there? And we would think that, okay, there must be some difference, or there must be some theological nuance, and we think that those who hold different theological views than our own are our enemies. And unfortunately, for the last 2,000 years, the church has been fracturing piece by piece in order to cause confusion, really, in the world about who is a follower of Jesus and who is not. Um, I'm going to give you some examples, and really, it's 11 o'clock, 11.15, so you guys are not asleep yet, so if you're already awake, and I'm going to give you some, 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 some kind of some examples to get you thinking, because in this room, there's a variety of thoughts, and there's a variety of perspectives, and you may fall in one of these, th one of these camps. So have you ever debated or thought about creation, young earth creationist, an old earth creationist, maybe an evolutionist, maybe an intelligent design? In this room, we have all those. And you're like, whoa, who is it? I'm not going to have anybody raise their hands. But we all have a different interpretation or perspective on how creation happened. My viewpoint is God did it. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Okay, I wasn't there. Neither were you. And so a lot of people want to split hairs over these things. What about Calvinism versus Arminianism? And you're like, I don't know what those are. Basically, it's free will or no choice. Okay, this is even a debate outside of the church and people that are, don't even believe in God. There's a whole debate on free will or did the universe, the cosmos set up this and you have no choice. What about literal interpretation of scripture versus moral interpretation of scripture versus allegorical or possibly an analogy? Those all are different interpretations of scripture and there are whole religions and denominations set up based on how you have interpreted and looked at scripture. When it comes down to it, actually what it is, is our desire to be right. And so we're in an argument, we begin to debate. I love debating. I mean, it's one of those things I just like doing. Pastor Ruben knows this. I always win. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I lose with Christy, I win with Ruben. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> we, I like to discuss things and I like to bring up things that make people go, what? And I, because it comes down to, I want to be right. When I've, when I've picked a path, when I've made a decision and anyone comes along to confront that decision, it makes me so uncomfortable. I don't want to be wrong and therefore I lash out and that person becomes my enemy. I want to avoid what is wrong and I want to make sure in the end of my life I actually am on the right side of things, not the wrong side of things. Does anybody else agree with that? It's like it's a rightness. And so we begin to worship rightness instead of what Scripture actually would tell us. And, and what happens is when we tie biblical rightness to all the nuance that's there and our interpretations, and, and we actually get down to eternal destination, and if you have to do this one thing, and then there's all these different choices, we end up thinking, well, that person's an enemy. That person's against me. And then we assume that we're right, and we look on individuals that are different with pity. We kind of like, oh, poor them. Here in Oklahoma, it's uh, bless their heart, right? And then they're over here with a different opinion, and they're going, oh, bless their heart, right? And so we have these two, all these opinions, 
and we end up fracturing relationships. Now, I'm a Bible nerd. I like looking at the original text, and I like to figure out cultural things, and I like to figure it all out. Most people are like, I don't care. But I like that kind of stuff, and I like to discuss the inner points of theology. I like to be right, but I've discovered over my life that I can either be right, or I can have friends. No, I can either be right, or I can let God be right, right? His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I can't understand him in all of his beauty and aspects. If I could, if I could bring him down and put him in a little box, then he wouldn't be God. He'd be something that I fabricated and I created. And what he has called us to do is to love and to unity. And our rightness should never take place of his love. Our rightness should never take place of his love. And a lot of people think, that, well, that means that you're just loose and you don't care about the finer points of biblical theology. And that's not true. But when it comes down to it, there's things that are really important and there's things that aren't important at all. And you know what's not important? Is the function of creation. And you're like, oh my word, blasphemy. Well, you know what? Jesus was a real man that walked on this earth. Jesus took my sins and yours and died on a cross, was buried and rose from the dead. That is the most important. And if you come to Bethel for more than a week, it'll be Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's what it's all about. There's nothing else. And so we have a standard that it's all about Jesus, and we're trying to find him and follow him. That's what we do. But even Paul had major disagreements with other apostles. You read through Scripture, and they had some large disagreements on philosophy and on process, on, on what Jesus left them to do, but they all agreed on the most important thing was there was this man claimed to be God. He died and he lived again, and he promises me that life. That's what they could agree on. So we'll see in the coming verses that Paul is teaching about the power of the gospel, and then what side should we be on, and there's actual enemies. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 17. Philippians 3, verse 17. <clears throat> it says there in verse 17, Dear brothers and sisters, just as an extra bonus freebie, when he says brothers and sisters, he's talking about those of the family of God, those that are in a relationship with God, those that would call themselves followers of Jesus, have been redeemed by him. And, and I think here's the mistake we all make, is that we take the family of God and we kind of take that pressure and we put it on someone that doesn't claim to know Jesus and doesn't claim to follow Jesus. And so we say, well, to be a good person, you got to do this. And we take what it means to be a Christian and copy and paste it on them. And then we're frustrated when they don't live it out. Well, they don't know Jesus. So marriages where the couples don't know Jesus, why would we expect from them things that God only expects from a believer? And when we see kids and we see parents and we see couples and we see people at work, why would we expect them to live like Christ followers when they don't know Jesus? So he says right here, brothers and sisters, these are the ones that are in the family of God. And if you're here this morning and you're figuring out Jesus, you're asking some questions and there's some stuff that's going to confront you today, I would ask you to be patient. And when you hear the small voice of God calling you in, please say yes. It says right there, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you before, often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. So we're talking about conduct or walk or conversation or the way someone lives. It shows that they actually are enemies of Jesus, not aligned with Jesus. Verse 19, they are headed for destruction. So they claim to be in, but they don't know 
They don't know Jesus. They've not been changed or transformed, and they're headed for destruction. And then he describes them three different ways. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly waiting are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own that is the idea of metamorphosis like a butterfly he will transform us and then it says by using the same power dunamis this explosive power which he will bring everything under his control let's pray God, this morning, as we look at your word, as we look at these verses, God, I pray that we would let you speak, that God, when scripture confronts, that we would listen and yield, and God, that understanding that all of us have tendencies to be enemies of the cross. God, I pray that today we would be transformed, and our minds would be renewed, and that the Spirit of God would work in each of us, and draw us closer to you, and God, transform the things that need to be changed. We love you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First thing I want you to see is that the only parts of Scripture that you truly believe are the parts you put into practice. There's a lot of us that know a lot about the Bible or a lot about Christianity, but the only thing, the things we put into practice are the things we actually believe. So, I have a lot of assumptions about Scripture and I have a lot of assumptions about the world, and I've learned over time that the things I really believe are the things that work itself out in my life. And so if I believe certain things specifically about Jesus, those things would come to, come to the light in my personal life. And if you spend time with me long enough, you'll see it. But there's a lot of us that actually say we believe and then live something completely different. And I'm not trying to call anyone out. All I'm trying to say is this is the reality of where, where we live. And um, if you say that you, if what you say doesn't, sorry, if, you, if what you say you believe doesn't change you and it doesn't reflect on the way you live, then you probably don't really believe what you're saying. There are many of us that say one thing and do another. We say we're following Jesus, and yet we really are enemies of the cross. We're kind of like secret enemies. So what you do matters. The gospel should be lived out, not left behind. Paul says this here, that we should pattern our lives after his, and he's talking about living it out. He's actually, actually talking about practicing what we preach it's living out, not leaving it behind. And so call, Paul is talking about there's a pattern out there, and he has a pattern of his life that's patterned after Jesus, and he's basically calling us to put as his, his a follower the best practices of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so unless you think Paul was setting up kind of another religion to be the Pauline church or the Paulite church, he actually was calling people to Jesus because he, you got to remember that he followed Jesus and he's inviting us to follow him too. He suffered well for Jesus and he's inviting us into that suffering as well. He knew scriptures like no one else and he's inviting us to the same. He understood the gospel and we should understand it as well. If you read through Philippians, he said we got to work out the results of our salvation and we can believe that Paul clung to Jesus, that he was full, fully God, that he was fully man, that he became a substitute in our place, and that he was king. Paul was a believer in the forgiveness and compassion. He, he never, ever quit. He never stopped. He was humble. He knew, Paul knew that he himself was flawed, and he followed a perfect Savior. We are not the pattern. Jesus is. And so when you come to Bethel Community Church or you follow a certain religious organization, you got to make sure that it's Jesus that we're following. 
not me, not the pastors, not the staff, not other believers. It's actually Jesus. So your kids, when you're leading them at night and you're leading them in prayer and you're leading them in your home, do not try to make them pattern after you, but pattern after Jesus. Because when you're not with them, they will follow Jesus. Your spouse, you don't want them to conform to you, conform to Jesus. If we follow Jesus, then we're all cut from the same cloth. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, imitate me as a follower of Jesus. So this is what I'm doing. This is the best practice, so do this with me. So we're all on the same team. We have the same captain. We have the same goal. We have the same prize, and it's all Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Next verse, verse 18. For I've told you often before, and I'll say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They bring shameful, they talk about, sorry, they brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. What I see here is when we experience or confront the gospel, when the gospel confronts us, it actually should confront us, not conform to us. Conforming actually is an external thing. And so when you're with this person, you act this way. You're conformed to the, where you are. You're with this other person or this other situation, and you conform to the surroundings. And the gospel does something to us, and it's not calling us to conform to the things around us, but to conform to Jesus and his image, and it confronts us, and it changes us. Everyone wants it both ways. If you were forced into a decision and you had to pick sides, your hearts and your intention would show up. And so I came to Oklahoma. Before I moved here, uh, my family's from here. I have family that's fans, OU, OSU, all this stuff. And I have paraphernalia, and I'll walk around the country. And it does not matter if I have an OU shirt on somewhere else, except Florida. They get upset about it. But most places don't care, okay? But in Oklahoma, if I were to walk around in an OU shirt on, someone comes and asks me questions, I can't even answer them. <laughs> They're like, who's the quarterback? I don't know. Who's the wide receiver? I don't know. Who's the coach? I don't know. Well, I knew it one time. Now I don't know. And that's the thing is like, you push me in a corner, and I'm like, they, now people say, what do you, who do you pick? And I was like, Oklahoma. I like anybody in Oklahoma that wins, OSU, OSU, OU. If I'm around my, my family, I'll say OU. If I'm around Rick Bradford, I'll say OSU. <laughs> right? And some of you just got offended and shut your minds off. <laughs> so let's go to basketball. This one's easy. Who do you go for? The Thunder. Hey. Oh, come on. See, of course we had to have somebody. Here, here's the thing. When you're, when you're pushed into making a decision, your intentions show up. Like what you really believe shows up. Before that, we can all kind of play the game and play whatever we want. But when we're forced into it, we have to make a choice. And when it comes to Jesus, there's only two choices. It's either I'm with him or I'm not with him. I'm either identified with him or I'm not identified with him. And, and I think we think that there's thousands of choices, and there are thousands of choices, but they all boil down to two things. I'm with Jesus or against Jesus. That's it. And you say, well, I'm not against him, so I must be with him. We'll see here in a minute actually how this plays itself out. But when you hear about Jesus and what he did for you, and he requires full allegiance, here, here's what the church is sold. Eh, just give Jesus a little bit and he'll just kind of be a, in your pocket. And you can just put him in your pocket and you pull him out when you want to and he'll be your best friend and he's your homeboy and you can just pull him out like a good luck charm. There's a lot of people that are selling that Jesus and that is not Jesus. He is a all-powerful and all-desiring Jesus. He wants all of you. And so when you submit to him, it's everything. You're either with him or you're not. 
He will not share your allegiance with anyone or anything else, and you're either in or out. The gospel confronts us from our comfort. It confronts our allegiance, and it confronts our expectations, and it confronts our interests. And there's many people that go to church, and they feel like they need to be taken out to the woodshed and beat for a minute so they can go home with an easy conscience. So this is for you right now, okay? That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus actually wants to call you into a relationship with him in love. But if you need a little bit of a beating, okay, are you living and walking as a citizen of heaven, or are you walking as an enemy of the cross? Simply look at your social media. It'll give us your answers. Let's follow you around Monday through Friday, and the answer will be clear. It's tough. The enemy, an enemy, is hostile. An enemy is hateful, and an enemy is sometimes even passive. And you're like, well, how do I know if I'm an enemy of the cross or not? I'm going to give you this right now. Sometimes... I'm an enemy of the cross. You know, if we had a, a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being not an enemy, like all in with Jesus, and 1 being, oof, I'm in, but I'm not that great, 0 is like I'm out, okay? So there's some days that I'm a 1, and I'm a pastor. I love Jesus, but there's some days I make it to a 1. In my whole life, I don't know if I've ever made it to a 10. <laughs> I think that'll happen when I see Jesus face to face. And so you say, well, I thought it was about perfection and about being right. There is this thing, once you're with Jesus, Jesus begins to take over your life. And he begins to confront you and he begins to transform you. And he started here and he ends over here. Where are you? Jesus himself says that we should love our enemies. So we're not in this family to hate and to be hostile towards anyone. We actually are here to love and to lead one another to find and follow Jesus. And if you'll open up to someone about your struggles, they can help you and love you towards that end, and you can do the same for them. So here's a test to ask yourself. Paul talked about three different things, kind of as a, a, a test, a filter of am I, am I an enemy or not. First question that he asks is, what do you feed yourself? He said their God is their appetite. So, so what do you feed yourself? What are you watching? What are you eating? What are you, how are you caring for the temple that God has given you? What are your appetites being fed on? Morally, visually, even physically. How, what are you feeding yourself? And then what do you talk about? That's the second thing he says, is that they brag about shameful things. So what do you talk about? What comes out of your heart in conversations, out of your mouth, out of your mind? It'll show you kind of where your allegiance is, because that stuff will just come out. And then it says, he asks, what do you live for? It says they only think about the things of this life here on earth. So, so what do you live for? Where do you spend your time and your energy and your resources? What, how does it work? And you're, you're evaluating and you're just like, ooh, sometimes I'm an enemy. Sometimes I act that way. Well, here's the good news. The gospel, Jesus, he died for you and for me. He took our place. He's our substitute. He bought us with his blood. The gospel actually frees us from human choices and allows us to live on purpose. It, it frees us from serving the enemy and actually choosing to serve Jesus. We, we see the choice in our actions every day with Jesus, and something drastic has to change and has changed in us. It's more than allegiance, and it's more than identity. It's actually citizenship. And, and the thing is, there's this nuance here because citizenship is where my allegiance is. But it's more than that. It's, it's like he has my all. Let's look at verse 20. It says, For we, but we are citizens of heaven. So Paul is telling the church here in Philippi, he goes, you know all these other distractions here that, that people experience? 
We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So he's talking about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives in heaven and, the one, and one day will return from heaven. He is the object of our hope. He's the object of our identity. He's the object of our loyalty. Like, he is it. Remember, Paul was speaking to this church at Philippi, and Philippi was made up from a bunch of ex-Roman citizens that established a new town in Europe. And Paul was not telling them to denounce their Roman citizenship. He actually said it's great to be a citizen, but remember, your citizenship is not a a world government. Your citizenship is something greater. It's actually something eternal. It's actually something that requires your allegiance, and it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. All governments and systems are actually exposed as flawed in comparison to the kingdom of heaven. And yet, we're in this world, but not of this world. Our allegiance is to King Jesus, and our living in peace with local and federal government is what he's called us to, but our allegiance is not there. It's not the church's job to approve or to bless powers that be, but to measure them against the standards of Christ. The church is not a religious department of any world power, but we should always be building the true kingdom of God. Honor and respect are due to our government, but not allegiance. We're citizens of heaven. So I need you to hear me out because I've lived in several different countries and I'm actually a citizen of two countries. And if you count them, heaven, three. I'm not claiming that anything about you and your relationship with the United States of America or any other country. I'm actually saying that our allegiance should be with heaven. Our allegiance should be with Christ. Our kingdom is with Jesus. Our home is with Jesus. Our hope is is with Jesus. Our identity and our focus is with Jesus. And this may ruffle your feathers, and you may be asking yourself, "Uh, no, I'm not anti-anything. I'm actually just saying that ultimately, I know where my allegiance lies, and it's with Jesus. Ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to confirm your identity and allegiance, and as citizens of heaven, our banner is Jesus. Our allegiance cannot be auctioned off to those who promise political power, nor can our core values and convictions be trampled on the promises of power. We follow Jesus and he is not safe. We follow Jesus and he is our rescue and he is our reward. And so the gospel should be declared, not domesticated. The gospel should be declared, not domesticated. If you try to control the gospel of Jesus, it will mess you up. It says that it is the power of God, explosive power, and it cannot be contained. Verse 21 says, And he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using that same power with which he will bring everything under his control. This word change is the word transform. The original Greek word is metamorpho, which is a metamorphosis, and it's the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's a total transformation. In Central America, we lived in Costa Rica, and there's a, there's a blue morpho. It's real pretty. It's real big, and it, sometimes it's captured with its wings open, but that means it's dead. They don't, they don't ever leave their wings open. They're always closed, and so the blue morpho is the ugliest caterpillar I've ever seen. Disgusting. And it lives a short life eating and making a cocoon. Its instinct is to make a cocoon. And then this beautiful blue morpho that reflects the sun comes out. You hold it up to the light and it's brown. You let it reflect the sun and it's beautifully blue. This is a picture 
of what Jesus calls you as a citizen of heaven to have the natural instinct to be transformed into something new. We are his enemies until we are his citizens. Some people say, well, ah, he's, he would be a good Christian or he's a good guy. That's actually no such thing. There's no such thing as a good person. Scripture says that we're all flawed. We all are lost. We all need him. We all need to come to repentance. But it comes down to this idea of walk and conduct. Where are we headed? What direction are you headed in? What's the fruits that's showing up in your life? And if someone catches you on Monday in a couple weeks, would he see Jesus? Would they see evidence of your walk? In case you just think we're talking about works here, the last verse says that he will transform. Jesus will transform us, not us, transforming, our, transforming ourselves. Something miraculous happens in that cocoon with that blue morpho. It has nothing to do with that insect. If you cut it open halfway through the process, it's just sludge. It's nothing. It's something supernatural that happens there, scientific and the world order. He does the work. The creature does none of it. Our walk is evidence of the work. It's a natural progression to become, to be transformed. It's an instinct of a believer. And so if your instinct is to stay like you are, you have not been transformed by the Spirit. And this is my last point, which is the gospel should transform us, not tickle us. There are many people that come and they want to hear and they want to be tickled in their ears. Oh, you're so good and you're a good person and you're amazing and true, you are. But guess what? At your core, you're lost, wicked, and your heart's wicked. And who can know it? And the power of the gospel is to transform us, not tickle us. My son and I, at night, we have this like ritual before we go to bed, and I pray with him, and he prays, and we read scripture, and, and then I tickle him. And I just make it mean, right before he goes to bed, I just tickle him and get him all worked up, you know. Good dad, good dad. And I don't know if you've ever been tickled by someone, but there's a fine line between funny and hurt, right? Sometimes it's painful, and you're, you can't stop laughing, but it really hurts. <laughs> and, and I think about this, and I'm like, okay, the gospel, I'm like, yeah, I want that. Ooh, but it hurts. Ooh, I, I want that, but it's making me hurt because it's making me lose the things that I want. And it's touching my identity, and it's touching my allegiance, and it's conforming me to Jesus and not myself, and I don't like it. It's kind of, ooh, I'm, I'm having a good time, but ooh, I don't like it. And so the gospel should transform you, not tickle you. The gospel should be what we are instinctively walking towards for transformation. If there is no change in your life, you are still an enemy. This is not to judge you. This is simply an observation. And when I look in the mirror, I see the same thing. Let's pray. God, this morning, we need you. We can't do it without you. God, it's, um, it's amazing that you would even give us the time of day, that you would send your son to die for us, that you would rescue us from ourselves. God, that you would take us as enemies of the cross and make us heirs with Jesus, that you would give us the reward of knowing you. I, I, I can't even understand it. And, and you've called us to love our enemies and you've called us to lead one another and love one another right into the relationship with Jesus. And, and, and God, when I look at scripture, I, I get frustrated because it seems like there's many times that I act as an enemy and you're calling me through your grace to Jesus. God, we, we don't have to 
follow in our in the in the footsteps of destruction, but we can be called into a relationship in your kingdom. I pray that this morning, God, that your spirit would draw and that your that your work would be done in our hearts and that God we would begin to process and walk towards transformation and allow you to do the work in our lives. You've given us a choice. You've given us that opportunity to follow or not. This morning, God, as we worship, I pray that we'd reflect on these thoughts and ask ourselves, am I really living out the gospel? And am I really being confronted by the gospel? And am I really being transformed by the gospel? Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful for the opportunity to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like us to stand and sing together. We're going to sing a song, and the, the song is called Death Was Arrested. When we, when we wrestle with the truth claims of Jesus, when we wrestle with our inadequacy to meet a, an eternal Father, God, we, we have to wrestle with the claims of this man, Jesus, that came to this earth, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, went to the grave, and actually went and did battle with death, hell, and the grave, and won. And so death no longer has a claim on your life. The enemy no longer has a claim on your life. Hell has no, no longer has a claim on your life. Actually, Jesus gives you new life, and when we understand that, that's where life begins. We were prisoners and we were enemies of Jesus and he bought us with his blood and we're freed from sin. We're freed from the enemy and we're freed from an eternity without God. And he places us into this family where we can walk together and assist one another and help one another in the process of knowing him. And he has placed death under arrest and he promises us eternal life with him. That's what we're going to sing about right now. You guys can have a seat. Um, it's so comforting to remember that we are children, yeah. especially after a sermon like that. Like, I knew this, the name of your sermon was Enemies of the Cross, but I didn't know when you read the first verse that I was like, well, crud, that's me. <laughs> he just said, I'm the enemy. I don't want that. I, like, I was offended. At times, at times. I was yeah. like, I don't want to ever be an enemy of the cross. And, and when you read that verse and it looks through and it's like, well, if someone walks in on my Tuesday, are they always going to see him? And they're not. And I hate that. And so, but I do love the fact that the songs we sing, that we're washed by his grace, like daily he'll receive us back. And daily he gives us another chance to be the representatives we're supposed to be. Right. And we have his forgiveness and we can remember that we're his children. And because I want, I want to always be that example that I'm supposed to be like Paul to point others to him always. What's well, the active participation too. So it's like the, the active uh, process of your daily life is like actively against Jesus with what you know, or actively towards Jesus. And so it's like, where's the focus? It's, he's the one doing the transforming. He's the one doing the confronting. He's the one that's doing the living. Mm -hmm. And so all we got to do is say yes and yield. You know? Right, right. And so that one to ten. That yield's yeah, hard. That yield's hard because we like control. I know. And, and like, one to ten, sometimes I'm a one. That's the right. truth. And so and I think we're in the same boat. And I think the, being a child of God, let's remember that. Remember that he, we're no longer slaves. He actually does miraculous things for us to follow him. Right. And, uh, he, he does. does the transformation. So right. why are we not just yielding into it and right. being that new person he's created us to be? Yeah. You guys, we're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, as you leave today, 
don't forget that, okay, so we make mistakes, and sometimes we do things that, like that verse said, that we're enemies. Oh, my goodness, no. God, help us to focus towards you. Turn us back to you every time and help us to walk in your ways so that we can bring others with us. And here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Have a great week. Love you guys. Take care.